the theme that, that helps people move forward in their life, build resilience, get through a tough time, is always connection. It's always openness. It's always reaching out, giving back in some way. It's human to human contact. Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor, and this is the place to discuss tips, tricks, and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity, and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions, and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I say this on the fly one more time. I seem to get great ideas when I'm driving. Long drive back from Watford. Welcome to my glamorous life. Uh, I had a sales meeting uh, just around mental health and we got very excited with, um, as, as I do even in sales meetings, talking about the possibility of uh, exciting people to human connection and that that's all that our mental health agenda is really about. It's how do we talk to each other like people. And interestingly, uh, one of the sales guys who was part of the meeting, he said, ah, oh, that's it. He had some kind of light bulb moment because he was like, that's the thing. We get all our managers together and they don't know how to talk to each other. And I know this sounds so ridiculous simplistic because you guys are like what we're all grown-ups we all know how to talk to each other it's just using words and language and why did we go to school right but but we mean how do we actually see each other and have conversations that are not the automatic what you do for the weekend how are you I'm fine or you know the, the 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 kind of what happened around the pub or I played sports or what's what do you think about this like the the real surface level slight sentences which can feel like connection but then we're the loneliest generation that we've ever been and connection is one of the key factors in enhancing our mental health our well-being our happiness our fulfillment I actually went to an evening volunteer induction which was about working with the older generations within our communities and it was incredible how many, it was called uh, South London Cares for, for anyone interested. And, and there, there's an East London Cares, a North London Cares, and I think there's a Manchester and, and Liverpool. A pretty great uh, initiative, and it was supporting older people in the community through social clubs, through mentoring. But what was really interesting was the room was packed full of young professionals, full of young people in London who want to give back in some way. And when I, when I, um, talked to some people in the room and was like, oh, what's bringing you to volunteering and trying to check in with them in some way. I mean, they were all going, yeah, I, I feel lonely too. And, and I feel disconnected and I just want to give back or connect so that I can um, feel connected. And so we're living in an interesting time where some of the mental health support that's out there is, is really about the, the issues of anxiety and depression, but lot, lots of us aren't clinically anxious or depressed in, in the kind of medicalized version of it. Yes, we're experiencing more anxiety, but part of that is because we've simply gotten out of practice at focusing in and truly talking to each other and understanding who's across of us. And 
it's really weird how you can get out of practice in put, we can be grown-ups, we can have grown-up jobs and all the rest of it and speak to people every day for work-related stuff, but we can get out of practice in connecting to each other on a human level where we talk to people a little bit deeper than just that surface stuff. And it's incredible. I, in one of my trainings, I've been, I've been recently doing a, a, an exercise that seems so simple in my mind because I come at every conversation from a bit of a psychology perspective. I want to get to know your psyche and what made you the person that you are. And my, I just, my curiosity sort of leads me and I'm, um, not sort of scared of doing that. But in this training session, we simply do a sort of a speed dating vibe, which isn't dating, but that kind of vibe of like change partners and speak to someone else. And I'll have a couple of disruptive questions up on the, on the, the, the PowerPoint, the board. And they're, they're simple, but I, I guess um, they're like, what are you most passionate about in life? What is your biggest challenge? Which are really good questions to take the place of how are you? So when we say, how are you? We automatically get the I'm fine response. When we say, what's the biggest challenge you're facing at the moment? We're showing that we have a little bit of time, we're creating some space, and we're actually curious about a specific thing about that person. We're not treating them like a generic entity, you know, like a humanoid, rather than a person with an individual psyche. So what are you passionate about? What's the biggest challenge you're facing at the moment? And then I love this one, and it, people usually save it for last. Which parent influenced you the most for good or for bad? And it really gets people thinking about conditioning and influence and that, that maybe it was, it seemed like it was for bad, you know, but actually it was the thing that, um, you know, allowed them to build the most resilience or to be the best version of themselves or, so these are reflective questions that apply to all of us. So literally all of these questions apply to all of us. And it's a real connecting experience once you go around the room and I, I did this recently at an, an insurance conference. So um, people who'd worked together for 10, 15 years. And after we started talking to each other, they were I, I was like, who learned something new about the person that they've been working with for over a decade? And literally everyone raised their hand, which I find shocking because if I have friends, I want to, you know, I want to know about them. I want to understand them, not just their their work life. And so when it comes to this topic of feeling better, feeling more connected, we have to put into practice this idea of connection. And it's the easiest way to actually make ourselves feel better and build our mindset muscle, our resilience muscle. And, and, it's, the, and it's the easiest thing to do in the sense where we could, there's opportunity every single day. So you have opportunity to literally practice speaking to somebody in your supermarket, uh, on the road, to somebody on the street, to um, colleagues, to family. So we literally have an opportunity, no matter what we do, to speak with somebody, to connect with somebody, and to build our own mindset muscle and connection muscle. And especially if you are concerned about friends or if you are a manager of some kind, Taking this little opportunity to build the muscle of connection will enhance your well-being as well as the people around you. So there's something about connection that I just want, I've realized as a theme for, for all of the work that I do, whether it's mental health related, whether it's training, whether it's podcasting, whatever it is, the theme that, that helps people move forward in their life, build resilience, get through a tough time, is always connection. It's always openness. It's always reaching out, giving back in some way. It's human to human contact. This brings us on to the topic of 
social media. I've been wanting to do the, the social media topic for a while, but I wanted to, to really have something to say and to feel like it was really true to me. Because I'm, I, you know, am the first to admit that for a long time, I didn't want to believe that there could be any kind of negative impact to social media and our phones. And if I'm truthfully, truthfully, truthfully honest, it's because I've had a full-blown addiction and was like, obviously, it's making me feel better. I get dopamine hits. So obviously, there's nothing wrong with the thing. Um, it's just some silly people just don't know how to utilize it. And as some of you know, if you've been listening to my recent content, I've, um, through my entrepreneurial journey, felt more stress symptoms, have experienced more just, you know, anxiety just because of the, the world of, you know, um, trying to make things happen and income generation and feeling like I'm making it up as I go along sometimes and then feeling great and then feeling low and not prioritizing things like physical health. And so I had the perfect story to tell myself as well as, as to why I had to be on social media. And it even was backed up by the story that being a, a good entrepreneur, being somebody who had hustle and, you know, I admire the, the likes of the, the Gary V's and the Lewis Howes and the, the hustlers and the entrepreneurs that are always like, work, work harder and push yourself, right? Obviously, those two uh, talk about um, well-being and, and doing things your own way as well. I'm not, I, I love them, right? But I had, I had immersed myself in this world of every podcast I listened to was about how to hustle, was new information about tech, was about how to hack your mindset and push yourself further than you ever thought possible. And so this was swirling around in my head, as well as, of course, I need to see how every single effing post is done. Of course, I need to see, I need to post on all uh, social media platforms all the time, uh, not necessarily strategically, but just um, in a reactive, like, must be out there, must be out there sort of way. And I realized, okay, this is embarrassing, but true. And I don't know if I'm the only one or if it's a secret. I bet it's an actual, like, classified illness in medical books now. But you know your texting thumb? Yeah, your right texting thumb. I started getting, like, pins and needles in my right texting thumb that would shoot up a little bit. And I'm, I'm a bit like, no. Like, I can't. That's way too embarrassing to be like, I have, like, a thumb strain from all the texting that I do or all the swiping or all the, you know, liking and, and uh, scrolling and all the rest of it. So that always, I don't think I've ever told anyone that properly um, because I've got teenagers, right? So I'm always like, let's, let's think about our, our phone usage, uh, totally not leading by example. So we, I had a family of addicted people and what I've realized and what, because of my, my own experience, I've, I've had to sort of look into, well, yes, all of these things are about how we use them. It's about how we use it, uh, how we choose to use it. But there is something within our social media usage that can be really negative and even disruptive to our well-being, to our ability to focus, to our ability to be present, and to feelings of depression, anxiety, reactivity, fight or flight. And now there is so many more sort of documentaries, science studies about the impact of this type of stress, long-term stress, on things like cancer and things like physical health conditions. Now, I do not, what, like that is not a price that I'm willing to pay. I'm not willing to st stop everything because I drove myself so hard that I now have cancer or an, another sort of autoimmune condition or, or my physical health suffering in some way. 
And of course, like all of these things, I had to experience it myself or the risk of it in order to kind of make a stand and say, all right, I need to learn how to manage this within my own life if there's going to be any hope for, uh, you know, just, just finding some more joy within the process of business and purpose. Because, I mean, there's really no point if we can't enjoy the journey. That's what I've come to discover. And you can, and I do a purposeful job. Like I do something that matters to me and that, and, and that does fill me with excitement. And it's, it's not just, I'm, I'm not cold calling to, to sell some medical appliance. I'm, I, you know, I feel like I'm reaching people's hearts and I'm connecting on, on that deeper level, which is, um, thrilling and exciting. And, but I got to the stage where I wasn't enjoying the journey and, and, and I could realize that I was in this consistent fight or flight and probably, very a short way off from full-blown burnout just because of driving myself so hard which made me kind of readdress and 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 think about things and has also led me on this path of of alternative health and um education around things like energy and things like reiki and things like shamanism things that have to do with your body and your energy and not just the intellectual process of well-being because I am I've realized through therapy and other things that I've done around self-development that because I didn't have an education as a child I have been using my brain my intellect as a as a means to get me out of tricky situations so I realized that um, just exploring things like energy nature walking barefoot all the stuff that I have to say and I realized this oh because I had a bit of a hippie upbringing that turned a little bit dark, I, I unconsciously like cut off any kind of alternative non-science-based types of work. Anything, you know, I saw it as fluffy. I thought, you know, you, you either you work out hard. Uh, yes, nutrition plays a part, but otherwise my brain, my brain, my brain, my brain will get me through anything. And I was still on this track of trying to, trying to prove something. And then my body started you know, reacting and falling apart a little bit. And it began, it started me on this process of exploring that actually, just because some stuff was negative, perhaps um, growing up, and some people haven't used, you know, those, those ideologies in a way that was useful. That doesn't mean that, the, that it isn't true. And of course, it helps that there's a lot more science behind, you know, quantum physics and uh, you know, energy mapping and, and sound therapy and, and the impact on neuroscience, sort of brain scans and um, all of these sorts of things. It, it kind of helps, helps me to see some of that stuff. But then I've been experiencing it too. So I went to um, a, a gong bath, which is sound therapy. And my God, it felt like a trip. Like I, I was deeply uncomfortable for the first 15, 20 minutes, which said a lot about my ability or lack of ability to fucking sit with myself and just sit still and just be with an uncomfortable feeling, be with a, a sound sensation that, that sort of had vibrations that were going through my body, just sit with it, deeply uncomfortable. But once I sat with, and this was pretty profound for me, once I sat with the um, discomfort long enough I, and got sort of through the other side, which took about 15, 20 minutes. And so for the, the rest of the hour long session, I was then I mean, transported just just visually, experientially, body sensations um, through this sound journey. And I literally, you guys are going to call me crazy, but I left the session thinking everything makes sense. 
I had this total clarity about both my significance and my absolute insignificance, which was liberating because we spend so much time obsessing. I mean, obsessing, especially in business, about who who we are. Are we doing the right thing? I mean, the amount of things um, that that even as coaching clients are like, is this the right thing? And who's to say what is right or or what is wrong? I've been listening to uh, Mr. Sadhguru. I hope I've said that correctly. He's got a podcast and was recently interviewed on on Tom Bilyeu's podcast, talking about how like how egotistical we are to think that we we matter in in the grand scheme of things. He, he I think he said something. I'm going to totally butcher his his words, but something about do you do you care about every single ant that walks the world and so we're you know of more conscious being do we care about every ant and he was sort of comparing that the 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 gods or the creator or whatever might be out there why would they care about exactly what was right or what was wrong that we were doing and i know that may sound depressing to some of you but actually i think it's pretty liberating because it's like it's not a big deal like you only get one life live it how you want, take risks, don't be so fucking scared all the time. Like, you, like when you're on your deathbed, what's going to matter? How many Instagram followers you had, or how many people you deeply connected with, or what legacy you live, or just the fact that you woke up every day and actually experienced life, that you were present for life, because we, we're missing it. We're missing it. And I swear the, the being stuck on social media and the, the, the constant sort of overthinking about the most inane topics, if we think about it in the grand scheme of things, are completely hindering us from fully being present and enjoying the world that we live in. So we're missing it. And that's my lesson to myself. And so I, I'm certainly not a finished product, but what I have done, yes, I finally done this is I've got an actual alarm clock for my um, bedroom so that I can keep my phone out of the effing room uh, in the kitchen uh, and and attempt, and I'm not perfect at this, uh, there's definitely people I admire that don't uh, look at their phones for like hours before they wake up, but I'm not quite there yet. But it's not the first thing I do. And I'm definitely sleeping better. I'm trying to do some meditation, even though the story I tell myself is I'm so hyperactive that meditation doesn't work for me. That's the story I'm telling myself. And actually, the thing that I need to practice the most is being present and sitting with the discomfort of myself. And actually, the the more powerful thing about that experience is learning to listen to your intuition. And that sounds like a fluffy topic to some, but, but your gut instinct, whatever it is, being able to nurture that in instinct so that you can shut the noise down there is so we live in a world of noise and this is what's affecting people's well-being there's so much noise on your phone but also if you live in a city it's it's just everywhere there's constant sensory overload and so those little moments of meditation those little moments of walking in nature i, I went to my local park and just took my shoes off and did the whole like uh, earth on the soles of my feet thing all of those little things allow us to do active relaxation to get into a different part of our brain and essentially bring our cortisol down and it's this constant release of cortisol that is happening all the time and if you're in business it's even more but if you're constantly on social media if you're uh, living in a city, and if you're adding to that by not having deep connections that are actually real to counter some of that, 
Well, what happens is our cortisol is up all the time and we don't give our body a break. And if there was ever a time when we would get horrific things like the cancers and, and all of that in the world, it's because we're not putting the steps in place to decompress in a way. And that may sound depressing or overwhelming, but actually it means there's more in our control than we think. Because people who are really stressed, they're, they're kind of in this place of going, nothing's in my control, I can't, if I just need to keep treading water or I'm going to drown, keep treading water, keep treading water, and then they, they get through um, s certain things and it's just the next things that will, will come up, right? Um, and so the thing that I advocate, advocate for the most is conscious decision-making around our use of social media, our screen time, uh, and, and whether uh, really being real with yourself. If you, if you drew out a, a sort of circle that would represent your, your day or your week and you divided it in uh, sort of uh, categories of the amount of time you spend on different things, what would that look like? You know, what's the percentage of time that you truly connect with people or to the things that would enhance uh, your, your well-being, your productivity, your focus, all of those things? Um, I imagine there's no more than 10% for some of you guys of the, of the amount of time that you have quality relationships and connections, maybe even less, which is a horrific thought, but probably true. Who here has been um, bloody shocked and horrified when they see that amount of time that they've actually spent on their phone? I'm usually at five or six hours, and I'm like, hours? How the fuck did that happen? How the fuck did I spend five or six hours on my phone and I'm like, what was that? What? Yes, I do emails. Yes, I do work-related stuff. I do a bit of WhatsApp chatting. I definitely speak to people on the phone. I'm hoping to God it counts that. And I use it for maps as well. So I'm going to say that I travel a bit. So that's sometimes added in. But like how many of you have like looked at your total number, which may be better or maybe worse and go, holy hell, how is that? Like, and then imagine if you use that exact amount of time, so that exact amount of time on building your dream, your purpose, your skill for getting you out of a shitty situation that you always complain about or moving your, your life forward in, in some way. Imagine if that's all you did. And I imagine it's at least five hours a day. And if you use that to focus your attention on building your, the lifestyle that um, you really dream of or you dare not dream of because it's almost too big, I see that a lot, that whole like fear of the big dream and fear, fear of success. But imagine what could happen. Imagine if you spent one of those hours actually getting real and leading by example and asking some disruptive questions about somebody else and really practicing presence and curiosity in getting to know them. I mean, I would imagine that there would be less wars, less political conflict and all the bullshit that's going on if we actually uh, got up close. As, as Brené Brown says, it's hard to hate somebody up close. Consciously deciding on our day. So the days, this is what I'm trying to do. This is my new routine that I've been doing for the, I'm trying to take the decision making out of uh, the morning routine because I found that if I go, yes, my ideal morning routine is 6 a.m. wake up. And the next night I would say the ideal waking time is 6 a.m. but I've had a tough day or it's been a long day or I'm pretty tired, or hmm, I don't know, maybe tomorrow I don't have to, and then I'll get back on it when I can. So if I try and make the decision every day, then I end up by midweek making the wrong decision or coming up with a good enough excuse for why 
I don't actually need to do the thing that I know is good for me and that I know will benefit from me. So taking that decision away means five days a week, Monday to Friday, no matter what's going on, I wake up at 6 a.m., I immediately put my shoes on and go outside. I know this is going to sound crazy, but some of you women might get this. I would not go outside and run first thing because I don't have makeup on. I mean, that's crazy, right? Why do I need to look good for a little bit of exercise? But I'm like, oh, I'm getting a little bit older. I'm quite pale. And then I've got a few little red blotches. And, you know, and, and I, I stop myself from going outside because I think I need to you know, just make myself a little bit presentable because you, you never know that you might meet a hot dog walker, jogger dude who might be the love of your life. And if you didn't look good, you might have fucked that up. See where my head goes. And so I'm just trying to get over that because, oh, ooh, I haven't even told you guys this. This is another thing. I, as part of my social media kind of detox and my conscious decisions around phone usage, I have deleted all dating apps. That was scary when I tell my friends because I've been all like powered women dates and all the rest of it. Um, I've deleted my, my, my dating apps and I'm, I'm trying to like let go of control and go with the flow. This is a revolutionary. I mean, it's a revolutionary idea for me, which it shouldn't be, but it is. Um, it's, it's revolutionary. Uh, and so, uh, in the morning, no makeup put on uh, some running shoes and, and gear and just go out to the forest behind my house, walk walk to have a bit of um, warm up. Uh, there's this particular bridge that I go to that I, when I'm on the bridge, I'll, I'll take a, sort of a minute of deep breath so that I center myself. There's then like a stairwell that goes up into these, these trees and this little forest bit. And I just run up and down those stairs, you know, however many times I'm, I'm trying to build, build that up. And then I walk back down the hill and, and back to my house. Um, I then try and get on uh, a meditation. And that could just be a short, like, you know, uh, wisdomy, wise talk by somebody that uh, some kind of guru that I'm into at the moment. Or it could be an actual breath meditation. But dudes, no more than five minutes because that's, you know, let's, let's take it one step at a time. And then I'm trying to get back into the habit of journaling. I find that in the morning my brain is so busy and ready to go that uh, journaling is tough, but, but, but I try and ask myself some particular questions that center me for the day. And those are, who do you want to be today? So it just reminds me of, of sort of the, the strong person, the empathic person, you know, all the qualities that I want to, to, to give in the world. Who do I want to be? Recently, I've been trying to be specific about what are my health goals? Like, um, what do I want my health to look like? Um, putting some conscious thought around that because I haven't in the past. I've done my action goals, but not um, health-related ones. And, you know, who do I want to be as a parent, as, as a, a single woman? Um, and, and questions like, what's the impact I want to create in the world so I can keep connected to, to the big dream and get ready for the day? And then I'm, like, ready to rock. Uh, what I've realized is that that sustains me really powerfully for most of the day. But if I've worked at home then by four o'clock, I might start getting stress symptoms again, because I think because my body was so close to the brink, it just remembers and it's not fully healed up or um, able to function fully as a kind of chilled human being, which is fine. It's my body telling me that I need to take a breath again and do a little top up. 
And so I try and schedule in my, my deep connections, my, my coffee meetings uh, with people for that afternoon slot so that I'm definitely with humans and, and being my full self and doing those sorts of things that I need. And then yesterday was a rocking day because I did all of those things. And then I did yoga in the afternoon. And I'm, this is not, guys, this has been, <laughs> oh, a bumpy road. It's been a bumpy road. I am not perfect when it comes to health routines or prioritizing the me stuff because I'm just action oriented. I love action. I'm driven. I know what I need to do. I don't relate fully to people who are like, I don't know what I, I don't know what I want. I'm like, don't you? I, I know enough. I know what I want for about eight different lifetimes. And if anything, I've got to reel it in and be like one thing at a time. The other thing lots of business coaches uh, or people who've had business coaching have said to me is when they're working on, on lots of different projects is uh, just pick one. I'm just, I'm just ranting now. It's not even on the right topic. But <laughs> they're like, <clears throat> pick one thing, do that well, and then move on to the other. And I get it in theory, but I don't think all of our brains function in that way. But, but there's, there's always 1% truth in everything. So I've been trying to find the balance of, all right, so maybe I have a few simultaneous projects uh, going on. However, picking one thing and hyper-focusing on that one thing is actually crucial because otherwise we're, we're, we're bouncing between uh, different projects, different tabs on our laptop, and I can definitely feel sort of anxiety come up in, in, in my body, stress symptoms when I'm trying to do eight things at once. But it doesn't mean in my perspective that we can't have our finger in different pies, that we can't uh, successfully have a portfolio career, different income streams, because all that advice is, is out there as well. And so, I mean, what I always say on all of these topics is just be you, just be you. But, but some people don't even don't know who the you is anymore. Some people literally don't. If I go, who are you? Like, what are we working towards? They're, they're like, fuck knows. I don't know. And that's because they've been living with different versions of a mask for so bloody long that they don't even know which one is real anymore. And it's, it's, it, the, the excavation process is deep. There's, there's a lot to think about in, in, from that perspective, uh, who, who, the, who the real you is. And maybe we never fully figure that out, but I certainly have some good ideas uh, about myself through that um, excavation process, which has helped me know what it is I'm working towards with the consistent curiosity and openness to total growth. Because we can't be fixed in this like, this is who I am and it's my personality. No, it isn't. This is who I am right now. I have no idea who I'll evolve into over the next five, 10 years. So there's absolute scope for that to change. But probably the saddest thing I hear, which is crazy, but it's probably the saddest thing I hear from like people in their 40s and 50s who, who are like, actually, I have no idea because I've been repressing that and shutting that shit down for so many years of my life that I don't even know. I don't even know who I am anymore. And all is not lost. I will, there is always hope. And, and, I, and I get excited. I get excited all the time, but I get excited because I'm like, well, thank fuck that you're bringing this up now because there's still time. You could live to be a hundred. Like, let's not say just because you've worn all those masks that that's how it has to stay. It's up to you how it stays. It's the story you tell yourself about what's possible and how you get to move your life forward that is really what's uh, exciting. So when it comes to all of these things, I challenge you guys to 
like really get real and audit yourself. If you can do that with a buddy, if you can do that with someone who's also interested in getting real and auditing themselves uh, even better. But it is something that can start as a personal process. I know a lot of people who've gone through tough times have started blogging because they want to put some of that process out there and they've realized they're not alone, that other people connect to their theme and their ideas. But auditing your life is just thinking about the key areas. So you've got family, you've got friends, you've got work, uh, you've got uh, health, you've got aspirations, whatever it is you might have. And, and just getting some big old mind map out, some kind of brainstorm, and, and just going, you know, you, you might be the scoring type that wants to score you zero out of 10. I'm less of a numbers person and, and more of a, a kind of a words uh, person. I like to uh, visualize through pictures and words. So whoever you are, this isn't like a one size fits all. Like there's no expectation that what I'm saying about my growth journey applies to you uh, exactly or that my routine should be your routine. Not at all. But what I would encourage you to do is create quiet space. And that could be through meditation. It could just be through silence. It could be through nature. Get out of your, I swear a lot, get out of your fucking routine. Disrupt your routine a little bit because we go unconscious when we're in routine all, all the time. I mean, it's good to have some health routines in place. But if all you do is your routine, I wake up, I go do my nine to five, which I kind of hate. I go to the gym maybe, or I go to the pub. And uh, I, I spend time with my partner and I watch the same TV shows and then I go to sleep and repeat. Uh, if, that's, if that's your life, curate some time to just get real. If that's really what you want and you're content with that, like, I wish you all the best. But I personally know that, that human potential is, is, is vast. Human potential is endless and you not tapping into it is doing a disservice to you. Like, what the fuck is the point about being on this planet if you don't want to push yourself to some kind of potential and allow your brain to develop and allow for, for growth and practice and experimenting? Because as Brené Brown also says, when we numb pain, you know, we avoid it by, by doing things that, that are routine and not asking ourselves the difficult questions. When we avoid pain, we, we also, when we numb pain, that's what she says, when we numb pain, we also numb joy. Now, I want to live in a world where ecstasy and joy is fully possible. And I've realized that when you uh, play that game and when you want to have the full experience of excitement, achievement, uh, living, living on the edge, love, connection, yes, you also open up yourself to sadness, to pain, to other experiences. But actually, I've come to realize that all of those experiences, all of those experiences are part of the growth journey and are a privilege to experience. So if I'm feeling sadness or, or, or pain, like that's information for me about my growth journey. And to be honest, that's usually where most of the growth happens. Often we want to shut down the, the pain parts because we're like, whoa, this is uncomfortable. Am I doing life wrong? Let me self-doubt myself because I'm in pain. Is there something wrong with me? Am I doing something wrong? And I'm like, uh, let's high five. Like, this is exciting. You're in a pain place. This means you're literally in the deepest opportunity for growth. You're literally in the deepest opportunity for growth. And I know that sounds cheesy. And some of my friends hate me because they ask me, they're like, oh, this thing is happening with my uh, relationship or my thing or uh, you know, my, my work challenge or whatever. And I'm, and I say things like <laughs> at the moment, I'm like, Ooh, what's your responsibility? What's, what part is your fault? What part is you? 
And they're like, what? But he's a bastard or he's a whatever. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. I don't fucking know. Um, but, but, and what bit is you? And what bit is your learning and is actually triggered by your own framing of the situation, your own decisions to be trapped in a story versus you think, use things for growth. And once you can reframe all of this as opportunity for growth, well, you can't ever fuck up. Because even when you fuck up, that's your opportunity for growth. And for me, that's been liberating. Because I'm like, hey, if I fuck up in business, if I fuck up in dating, even in parenting, that's an opportunity for my growth and, and my vulnerability and me letting the, my kids know that, you know, I, I, I didn't quite get it right. And how can we talk about this and think about this? It's an opportunity to teach them emotional intelligence, character, and for me to practice self-awareness and self-development. So everything is an opportunity for growth. But we have a responsibility. If you guys have heard me, if you've heard my rant about personal responsibility, I want to echo everything that I said in that one and uh, use this as an opportunity to, to pass on some, some knowledge and some things that I've learned and hopefully help you along the way. So what I challenge you to do is audit your life with the most honest, most brutal viewpoint on it. Get real about what you, you really want. Challenge your fears. Realize that you're going to die. Yes. Be, be fully aware of your mortality and the privilege that if you, especially if you live in Western society uh, and even have a very basic income, you're probably part of the 1% of the, of the world. If you don't have a disability, you're in another uh, sort of percent of people who have full capacity in order to, to, to reach potential. Uh, I don't in any way mean that people with disabilities don't have that, but, but they have other things that they can absolutely be grateful for. It's about gratitude, waking up, feeling excited to be alive, finding a routine and taking the decision-making process away from it. So that works for me. It may not work for, for all of you. Some of you might like the, the flexibility in morning routines that differ each time. I think there's something just in habit change, though. When you're trying to test out a new habit, if it's going to be different, and if you have to have a thought process for it every time, it's probably not exactly going to stick. And so I'm sticking with my, my alarm time is just set. Uh, yes, I've got to go to bed a few nights a little bit earlier. But practice that stillness so that you can have some conscious, conscious, awake decisions about your life and how you spend your time and the stupidity of getting caught up in comparison. How many adults, grown people are doing the comparing thing? Like, I mean, that pains me as well. I'm like, why the fuck do you care about what someone else is doing or what house they got or what car they've got on the other side of the world? Like how much energy is being spent on the, the what ifs, the victimhood, and they, the, the, they must be having a better life than me. Not to mention, the amount of times that I've, you know, thought that everyone had the perfect relationship or the perfect life and that I meet up with them and get real because that's what I do. And they talk about their struggles and they talk about, you know, and I'm like, we're all the same. We all have struggles. No life is, is, a, uh, is perfect. And if anything, it's all about our attitude to struggle. It's all about, you know, when the struggle comes, what do we do with it? I know it sounds cheesy because people have said it countless times. But I'm going to leave you with this final thought before my battery runs out on my phone. I realized with my health journey that the thing I was doing, it was subtle and insidious, was looking to blame things for why I couldn't do the stuff. 
So my kids ask me to, to buy chocolate pretty much every day. They ask me, I don't necessarily do it. And I got a bit annoyed one, one weekend because I was like, guys, every time you ask me for that, I'm tempted and I'm trying to be healthy and blah, 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 as if it was their fault that I couldn't, you know, have some self-discipline around sugar or uh, <clears throat> around my, my sort of healthy diet. It's not their fault. The amount of like health coaches or, or people that I've kind of bought something off of or gotten some advice off of, almost so that I could continue talking about the thing, you know, but not actually actioning what I knew I should action. Is actioning a word? I'm not sure, but it should be. Um, <clears throat> and so it's been over the last few weeks that I've been like, all right, for fuck's sake, this cannot be anyone else's fault. It can't even be my stressful, stressful job situation. It can't, it literally can't be anything, um, except mine. It is only my fault, right? Because I know the stuff and I can Google the stuff and I've had advice on the stuff. And I know that it isn't complicated. Health is simply, uh, exercising and good nutrition. And then, you know, there's, there's the extras as far as the, the energy healings and, and looking after myself meditations and things like that. But it's really actually not complicated. What's complicated is how I'm choosing to look at it, how uh, it, it's become sort of another thing to do rather than an essential part of my enjoyment and my ability to thrive in life. And essentially, 100% my responsibility. I am choosing to put other things as a priority and then complain if my mood is affected or if my physical health is affected uh, or if I can't lose the weight or, or whatever it might be. It's 100% my responsibility. In the same way that our use of social media, our use of our screens, and our ability to have deeper, real conversations is also 100% our responsibility. We can change up our friends. We can actually physically turn our phone off. We can do so many things. That's not to say that they're not set, laid out to be addictive and that the dopamine hit is intoxicating and it feels good for a little while, but in the long run, it actually decreases our ability to engage with the world in the way that is necessary to counter the high level of toxicity that is and noise that is constantly being pumped out at us. And these days, not making a choice about this stuff is making a choice. Like if we just think we can float along in the world and actually uh, be okay without making some conscious choices around things, we will suffer. It will affect us. And so I don't watch the, the news. I don't read the paper. And um, sometimes I, that means I, I miss out on stuff. And I actually don't mind um, the, the real important stuff I hear from, from, from other people. And I'd say my well-being has improved because I don't have the constant noise of stuff that I have no control over and the stuff that exa is exaggerated within the media that's happening on the other side of the world affecting my day-to-day well-being. So folks, that was fun. And I am now in the heart of London, trying not to speed. I got a speeding ticket recently, so trying to be good when it comes to that. But mostly, I'm excited about what I'm learning just about health. Um, I'm doing my first ever, don't tell my mom, I'm doing my first ever Reiki session tomorrow. I hear so many great things about it, but I've avoided it because I just had this stereotype in my mind. Uh, and then, and then I, uh, 
saw a really hot guy who was a, a I'm so shallow, was a Reiki special master. He was a Reiki master. And I was like, I can imagine the energy uh, exchange that could happen from this. Having said that, he's not the person I'm seeing tomorrow. And that's just where my, you know, thoughts are thoughts, man. It's just what you do with them, right? I'm seeing a woman who's also a shaman, uh, which fascinates me as well. The whole, um, I'll let you guys know how that goes. I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, but until then, have a fabulous day. Look after yourselves. Get conscious about your, your routine, your day. Are you living the life you want? Your social media uh, intake and your ability to be conscious and deeply connect. Go challenge yourself. Uh, ask someone a disruptive question. Get vulnerable yourself. Get real. Have a fab week. Thanks for listening to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Please do subscribe and review on iTunes. Every comment makes a difference. We really appreciate hearing from you. And please do get in touch through petrabelzebor.com if you're interested in any training, coaching, therapy, or just to join the community and get more information on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.